Welcome on into the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, my yeah. name is Denny Gallagher. <laughs> I'm joined by the asthmatic Benny Horowitz. No, yeah. the snare campaign provocateur, the pumped. king of the beanie. What's Come going on. on, dude? How are you? I'm pumped. The arsonist. The arsonist. Ah. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the beanie's back because uh, I'm working outside and it's chilly. And now you know that it's not a fashion beanie. <laughs> it's a cold weather beanie. That's when it comes out. Do you a beanie guy or you, you you just Quinn Snyder it all the time? No, but last week when I was in California, I did go to a place called Bernie's Beanery. Oh, okay. There they you got go. a nice Juicy Lucy for you. What's a Juicy Lucy? A joint? <laughs> no. Well, close. No, it, it's, it's the aftermath of, of a joint. It's a burger with cheese in the patty. Oh, so, goodness. So you'd have no interest in that. but Not that one, but I have had at, uh, what is it, the Shake Shack. Oh, we got what what they claim to be a portobello mushroom. I don't know what it is by the time they're done with it. It's filled with cheese and deep fried. <laughs> pretty great. good. Pretty oh, good. man. Yeah. So it's getting cold. The leaves are falling. Autumn is here. Things are wonderful. I don't know, man. I want to talk about some stuff. All right. Well, we shall talk about some stuff in this wonderful season of fall. But first, we got to hit them with a little and tell them what's happening on this day in music history. I love it. A little straight note chaser there for you. Benny Horowitz, what do you have for me today? All right. And this day in 2002, mm. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Tom Petty, Elvis Costello, Lenny Kravitz, and Brian Setzer guest star on The Simpsons in an episode where they run a rock and roll fantasy camp. <laughs> the first rule of camp, there are no rules. Second rule, no outside food. <laughs> so my question to you, yeah, this is a very entertaining episode. If you got to like, you know how you get to go like, oh, you get to play an inning with Cal Ripken if you spend like $10,000 or something. If you got to go to a rock and roll fantasy camp, which of these artists would you choose as your camp counselor? Tom Petty, no question. Petty, no question. No, no question. Yeah. Mick Jagger's nice, but man, you no, gotta Jagger. You don't uh, want to camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tom Petty. Oh my god, that that'd be such a fun vibe. First of all, even before the music, I gotta put in one other person though. Like, you know, I've been a camp counselor. I don't know if you know that about me. So I've, have I. I so, <laughs> as you know, there's a certain like sprightliness that goes a long yeah. way in trying to get a bunch of kids organized. Tom Petty, I even asked this question recently to uh, Brian Fallon and a, and a room full of people about the fact that I'm listening to Tom Petty's like essentials the other day. Right. Hmm. And I'm on like track like 18. And I'm like, my goodness, it's still an amazing hit, even this deep yeah. in the catalog. And this is no diss to Bruce Springsteen. If I'm on song 18 of Bruce Springsteen's, I'm in like pretty deep cut territory right. for Springsteen stuff. You know what I mean? But Springsteen is a much bigger artist. You know what I mean? And then sold out. And, and even at his peak, even at Petty's peak, Springsteen was bigger. And I asked like, why? And apparently it's just because like Petty's vibe, man. He, you know, not a showman, not a over the top person, not like that crazy type of performer. And, you know, maybe that like, of course, he had a wonderful career that, you know, should be uh, uh, sought after, of course. But I make this point to say 
don't you maybe want to give Lenny Kravitz a shot as your camp mm. counselor? Does 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 having Lenny Kravitz as my camp counselor is is his daughter involved in this in any way? Because she's a pretty cool person. No, too. of course not. But <laughs> here's my point: is like Lenny Kravitz is that reverse where mm. you're on like track four of Lenny Kravitz's essentials, and you're like, this is already like murky, yeah. murky water already by here. But why is he so famous? Because he's Lenny Kravitz. He's fucking cool. Yeah, he's fucking cool. <laughs> Imagine spending a day outside at like the nature shed. You know, with Lenny Kravitz, like making crafts. Who do you want to craft with in this group? I don't know. I might well, go. Probably, well, I have a Lenny Kravitz interaction when I was at Sirius. So there's very few people that I've ever had this kind of interaction with when they roll into the area where you are and they've got the sunglasses. And of course, I like knew who like who Lenny Kravitz is. It, it, but the kind of time where you know time kind of stops and you're like whoa yeah. who is that person it's been him and you'll never guess who who the other person kind of did that was uh conan o'brien reggie watts close enough in, in like the late <laughs> night there. okay because okay. he comes in there with the circle glasses and you're just like what no, i know exactly on? what you mean there are yeah. some people who like enter a room and then there's some people that just like are the room yeah. And it's like, you, they can't help it, you know, but they're there. What do you have for this day in music history? On this day in 1975, Patti Smith debuts her debut studio album, Horses. Uh, this was a very influential album for people like the Banshees, the Smiths, R.E.M., P.J. Harvey, um, produced by John Cale. Uh, Horses, uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a very, uh, one of the greatest albums of, definitely one of Patti Smith's greatest albums and a very influential album in rock and roll history. And I, I kind of bring this up because, you know, uh, Rolling Stone this week is out here dropping greatest albums list again. And oh. the longer that we do the, the podcast, the more I kind of side with you. I'm kind of over this conversation of like <laughs> us sportsifying music, which yeah. is the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen. There's one thing I think you just have to unabashedly do if you're going to do it, right? Yeah. Is you got to say my list is based on my opinion and not what is, you know, uh, objectively better than any other thing. Because unlike sports, which has statistics and black and white, you know what I mean? You can give me 22 points a game over 19 points a game and I'll say that guy's a better score and I'll be right. (laughs) You know, um, in music, the only other way to equate that is like album sales and stuff like that, which, as we know, is is not the tell-all of, of great music that lasts forever. So I think I love the list. You just got to own the fact that like, it's what you think, not what is actually the thing. So don't bail on our on our. <laughs> I think we can still do this. There's no Bruce Brown going for 11 points, and five of those are from the three throw line. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, there's some version of it in music. <laughs> it's hard. Wait, is is Lenny Kravitz the Bruce Brown of rock and roll? No, 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 no. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz is like a high volume score. You know what I mean? He's a guy. He's your your Cam Thomas type. You know, you give him 20 minutes, and he's just gonna he's gonna be on fire. But he's he's probably not gonna help your team win. That's Lenny Kravitz. That's Lenny Kravitz. I love it. All right. He's a a Jordan Clarkson. He's a Jordan Clarkson. He's going to go to the Wizards, be with Kyle Kuzma. That's essentially what that. uh, That's right. You're Vinny Vinny the Microwave Johnson. You know? Let's go back for that one. We got any 80s Pistons guys here? (laughs) Oh, all right. All right. All right. 
All right, first story today, and we're going to get back to the hoops in just a little bit, I promise. But, Benny, a story that kind of has impacted my life over the past few months. The writer's strike done. Now we have the actor's strike also reaching its conclusion. Uh, the Hollywood actors have reached a tentative agreement with the major film and television studios to end the strike. They announced this on Wednesday. Uh, the strike went for 118 days. The Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, which represents the studios, have been negotiating. And some of the big points were an increase in salary, obviously. But one of the bigger things, and the thing that I think kept this going longer, was AI protection for actors. Um, some of the stuff on the table was the fact that uh, these uh, studios wanted to scan actors and kind of use them in perpetuity, which, you know, if, if we didn't name the show the tune-up, we would have called the show in perpetuity because that's <laughs> how big of a role that kind of language plays in this. So uh, a big day for the actors uh, to tr to get this win and a, a, a win that kind of keeps the, the entire industry afloat at least for three more years. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of like the uh, NIL deal of like the entertainment industry, yeah. you know? Like uh, there was an obvious problem for a long time and and it was getting worse and worse. And now with AI, it was about to hit its culmination. Uh, and I would say that was probably like, you know, the, the final four about five years ago. So, yeah, it uh, it's good. I'm I'm always I'm with labor on this one, especially this one when you're dealing with like shit, man, this isn't a, you know, a, a restaurant manager being walked out on. This isn't something like that. You know, these are the types of companies who shell money around where if your product is worth something and it's valued and there's a big loss when it's not there, uh, a strike shows that and a strike wins because you, you show your value. If there wasn't value, they would have said, uh, yeah, fuck off. We'll figure something else out, you know, but they can't. They need them. And, and this is it has to happen every once in a while because shit, man, these these the, 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 take a business ethics course. They're not going to do it on their own. You know what I mean? They need their hand held and you got to push for it. And 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 I'm happy about it. I'm, I'm glad we can all just uh, guilt free watch watch a bunch of shit again. You know, that's right. And the the subject of crossing the picket line, um, you know, and, and not being able to promote stuff that you worked really hard on. Like, like, imagine if you couldn't come on here and like promote the record and talk about the record at all. Like it had to be like mums a word because you didn't want to. So I'm glad that cr creatives can get back to creating and uh, move in, in to the future. So. Yeah. Did I tell you, uh, did I tell the good people that when we did the CBS morning show, little do we know we're picked up from the hotel in a van, get taken in front of the Paramount building right in front of the strike. Oh no. And had to walk through. Oh wow! To get in, I'm happy. I, so I literally walked paper. through the strike. I oh, had no idea I was gonna. I was I was looking for coffee. Yeah. I had no idea that morning I was gonna be walking through a union strike. I was like, oh no, no. what am I doing? I'm a scab. Oh well, scab no longer. It's over. So you know, maybe that's why we didn't do a pod. Well, last I have week. A maybe I knew. Thing. I have a reverse thing going on with SAG after. Like I used to be on TV enough. Yeah. That I paid my dues and I was actually part of SAG-AFTRA, got their medical insurance for a couple of years, stuff like that. And then, you know what? Not on TV anymore. They didn't <laughs> stick by me and they were still asking for dues. Uh, I still get emails and all that stuff. And uh, they don't. I don't qualify for SAG-AFTRA anymore. So I got to do a little more. Can I do a little FaceTime in one of your films? Maybe I can oh, get in. Hey, oh, man. <laughs> Woo. 
We'll move that one. You got a part for me? You got a part for me, guys? I have. I've never hey, tried my hand at acting. If you, you know, want to be for, my Cam for, Thomas and just take off all Yes, <laughs> give me a oh, just give me the ball for five oh, minutes. I'll give you uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> and along came Polly. That's oh man. Well, Benny, you know, you may not be SAG after anymore, but at least you don't have the studio sending fake tweets, uh, oh. bashing any sort of criticism of oh. your content and all that stuff. That's what recently came out about HBO and their CEO, Casey Bloys. The I Kevin I, Durant of CEOs. Right. He essentially did, did, did the Kevin Durant thing. He did. Where He's got burners. He got so many burners. Uh, I'm not sure who ran those, but uh, he created a, sec- a quote, secret army of accounts to spam any criticism of HBO products. Uh, the, the David Zasloff error at Warner Brothers, just a another tremendous chapter in this. Uh, do you respect it or are you like for a CEO, this is weak? I, here's, here's my problem. Like, again, you know, you're the CEO of a company like this. I expect you to do shit like this because this is, we've talked about this a lot when it comes to to doing the right thing, ethics, morals. I don't have a lot of faith in business. You know what I mean? And I don't have a lot of faith in CEOs. So the only thing that this is kind of like a steroids thing. No, I don't think it should be allowed. But I think the other guys are doing it. You know what I mean? So like, I think like maybe this is just how you play the game right now. And until we fucking figure out a way to like, like just take away bots. I do know this shit exists. I got to see it on a micro level in Jersey city where, uh, Sam Pesson, who is the, the, you know, like overseer and caretaker of Liberty state park, Mm -hmm. you know, has been in a long fight with, uh, Paul fire, something who owns Reebok, I think. And, you know, since I was following this closely and he's Sam's not like some big celebrity or something, he doesn't have a lot of Twitter followers. So I would see this thing on Twitter and then I see these like three quick responses and like, look at the accounts. And then I just started fishing. I'd like ask some questions and stuff. It totally seemed like it was people who just worked for the guy. You know what I mean? And I think they had a job. Like I think he was delegating getting this guy on Twitter that, you know, to trying to, to squash his voice. So if I saw it on such a macro level there, you know what I mean? God knows what happens in, in like on the big scale, what, what they're capable of. So, so I do think it's corny and it's some Kevin Durant burner shit, but I think everybody does it and it's yeah. to be expected. Probably. It, it's so funny that you don't trust up- social media. That's the, yeah. fucking, that that's the moral of the story. It, it, it's so funny that you brought up that because there was, I you know I have to check the page, see see how the videos are doing. I pulled up one of our videos and a a ad for we you know we sh- we as citizens of Jersey City should really be allowed to enjoy and build on Liberty State right. Park. And yeah. I'm just like, uh-huh. what in the heck is going on here? Yeah, so your golf program is going to do wonders for the community. It's yeah. the Rafael Palmero appointment. It wasn't me. It was. <laughs> Is that second famous finger wag behind <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dikembe? Uh, maybe. Palmero at the Senate hearing. Oh, man. <laughs> the Senate hearing. All right, Benny. Uh, we have a little bit of happy trails to address today. Uh, the actor Matthew Perry passed away at the age of 54. He gained uh, sitcom superstardom in the 90s as Chandler Bing on the show Friends. Um, and he, uh, you know, some people who have, you know, studied the Friends monoculture are like, he was a 
uh, one of the first, um, not dour sitcom characters, but he he certainly um, had a a way about him that was kind of unseen on on sitcoms before that point. Uh, the his his death, uh, he was found at his home, uh, unconscious in a bathtub. Uh, he had a long history, uh, allegedly had a, a long history of battling alcohol addiction, drug addiction, all of that stuff. Um, had a, a, a incredible film career and all that stuff that we'll get to in a, a little bit. But uh, when you first heard this, you know, this is uh, a a show that was is, is still beloved by a lot of people. It's not like, uh, um, you know, somebody that was on like like a show that was on way before. This show still has a place in the zeitgeist and the culture. So w- when you first heard that a, a guy that holds that kind of cultural capital like Matthew Perry, uh, this is kind of up there with one of, of those losses for some people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like this is one of the big ones. If you had like the Mount Rushmore of the 90s, right, we're in what friends Seinfeld, like just a couple, you know, Simpsons, like these, you know, longstanding things. And like, it's so rewatchable, you know, it's like, um, what I do with a couple shows when, when it's turned into like background music, it's turned into something to fall asleep to. Like that's what friends is for some people. You just rip through every fucking season of friends. You've seen them a million times and people like that become so familiar. But the thing is, the characters become so familiar, yeah. you know, like not the actual people. Um, and I think as time went on, you know, it's not like Matthew Perry was was in the closet with with his experience. He like um, he was very out in the open. He had, you know, like near death experiences. And I know he spoke publicly about wanting his experience to be, you know, cautionary to i think at some point he wanted to it to be inspiring now i think you have to look at it as a cautionary tale you know um if he made it through it would have been inspiring um but he did make it for a while and and even being able to get your wits about you for a while is some some success when you're when you're dealing with addiction so i think that's the i loved uh i know deep cut movie but fools rush in oh. Salma Hayek. I don't know why. Maybe it was just because it came. I think I was probably like 16 when that yeah. movie came out. Right time. Watched it a bunch. Thought it was hilarious. But he did. He had the really like joyful kind of pensive yeah. way about him. And it was very specific to him and, and very unique. And like, uh, yeah, it's one of the great, great TV characters that that we lost. So. But I, when I saw it, sadly, I, I wasn't, I wasn't incredibly surprised. Yeah, you know which one of his things I love that people absolutely hate. Did you ever watch a uh, Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip? It was, uh, um, the oh my god, Aaron Sorkin, the guy that created the West Wing, <laughs> trying to do uh, his mix of like what he does with the West Wing, with the Larry Sanders show meets SNL, and he was the star of that. It lasted like eight episodes. But, yeah. Uh, incredible nbc description sounds terrible to me but i may i would would love that yeah yeah all right what do we got next all right big ups matthew perry Perry. 54 years old gone way too soon um all right next up benny you know we're gonna keep it in the medical variety shall we surgeons have performed the world's first transplant of an entire human eye this is cool um, although it's too far soon to tell if, if the man gained his uh, full sight back with his left eye, uh, the, the first full eye replacement 
would you call it a, a replacement, a surgery? It yeah. happened uh, last Thursday in New York City. Benny, what do you make of this? I think it's awesome. Um, I mean, and it seems clear from, you know, again, I'm not a medical doctor, but it seems like it's a long shot that he's going to regain sight with this eye. But what it's doing is they reconstructed his face. And normally there's like, you know, a collapsible section if one of your eyes is no longer there. So now the fact that the eye is in there connected with the optic nerves behind it, it's letting the whole healing process. So it, it, it's making a, a huge step in people who need like some kind of facial transplant or reconstruction surgery. And then it's also the the step in like the next step in figuring out how to do a functional eye replacement. And the fact that like it is possible and there's just this one group of people in the States with the gumption to keep trying. Um, so it's a it's an awesome success and i think we're getting closer and closer and as you know i think it can't come soon enough for for humans to just become cyborgs and i'm into it see i knew it was going to go the terminator route soon you're just going to try to dress it up politically oh listen, medical advancement no listen Hell, i'm oh happy God. this is this man and the the and his his family and the team that worked on it I'm very, very happy for all of them, but I'm also happy to just, you know, I really want to see the Matrix, you know, unfold on itself while I'm still alive. And this is a great step. <laughs> did, did you see that video on, on Insta last week? It was a, 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 a robot that goes up to one of those punching. Uh, oh, like at the arcade? At, yeah. Like, yeah. And like uh -huh. took its full swing and like broke the thing, got the highest score possible. You oh, know, we're yeah. making little bit of advancements here it's and there nice. that it's like, oh, man. And that's something, you know, what? Uh, sometimes I really stay up at night just hoping for that. <laughs> for a robot that just that walks into an arcade and can punch that bag really hard. Like, that's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> a lot of tickets coming our way. A lot of tickets. <laughs> All right. Well, we got the eye. And what happens, you know, Benny, sometimes, you know, your vision gets a little blurry. Why? Because you may have had too many old fashions in Wisconsin. And, yeah. and, 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 and old fashioned, and well, no, old fashions didn't come down with the ruling. Wisconsin came down with a ruling that an old fashioned cocktail has to come with brandy, not bourbon. Uh, the state lawmakers are making it somewhat official, a bipartisan re resolution. Hear this we can't agree on anything, but Wisconsin can agree on a bipartisan resolution declaring brandy the official. Uh, Wisconsin State cocktail in the old fashioned that won approval on Thursday in the state assembly. It's a resolution, not a bill. So even if it's passed uh, in the state Senate, the brandy old fashioned won't make it onto the list of official other state symbols. This is going to be a state symbol in Wisconsin. I which... love it. I mean, well, for this is eye opening to me because I didn't know this was a thing in Wisconsin. If I did, I would have consumed more old fashions there. Uh, it's not a great drink. Do you like it? It's oh, you my love favorite. Oh, oh I okay. am. But I am a because this is why I'm... the story made it because you're an old fashioned guy. <laughs> because, okay. but I, I just think of Don Draper. And then I think I tried it uh, maybe once when Mad Men was out. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. But um, I think I fall victim to, to this drink. A spent four wonderful years in Wisconsin. And right. B, you have the adult version of getting you know and you know how when you used to get like a shirley temple they put like the 
yeah, the, the cherries on top. It's Cherry. like the alcohol soaked version of that. That's great. Right. Um, don't drink it as much as I used to because you know what? I can't and, and keep up this physique, but I am a rye whiskey person. Oh. And so this is a little bit hurtful to me. Oh, I see. Okay. T- t- Wisconsin spurning you. I know. Um, you're going to have to go to another state for the I kind know, of old fashioned you like. Yeah. See, see, now next, I kind of want to write an email because <laughs> last time I was in Madison, I hit up friend of the show, Rob Domovsky mm-hmm. uh, of the Green Bay Packers beat. And he recommended a great bar for me to eat cheese curds in mm. because that's what I eat when I'm in Wisconsin. Yeah. So maybe I can write an email for to get the curd, the noble yeah, the fried noble. cheese curd on, on the flag. But you know what? I do want to joke at the fact that like, oh, we can't get anything done. Our world's <laughs> about to fall apart. And now the two sides meet for this. Yeah. But I got to be honest, anytime I hear about the two sides meeting on anything these days, I'm like, great, great. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe this like sewed a relationship behind closed doors that'll actually like functionally help somebody. I hope, you know, I love the fact that there was probably like a big brandy, like a uh, super PAC campaigning for this yeah. for years. And they finally got enough money together. But while we're on the topic of Wisconsin and drinks, I got to know where do you stand on the bloody Mary? I stand nowhere. Where am I supposed <laughs> to stand? No, because <laughs> there they come with fried chicken. They come with burgers. They oh, come with yeah. Birds. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're talking to really like I pretty much I never really advanced much further than like shot in a beer guy. Wow. You know, like what what's the special yeah. kind of guy? And it went straight into whiskey and scotch. And I I I've not, I really haven't done much experimentation with mixed drinks. It's just never been my thing. I think you're the expert here. Let me tell you, in in Wisconsin, those things are cheap. The Bloody Marys. And you can, they, it, it, it's like the Milwaukee River is like a flown Bloody Mary. Not I to just, make that why do I relate the airport with a Bloody Mary? That's where it <laughs> seems like you're supposed to have one. Oh, maybe. Yeah, probably. That's where it seems. All, All right, right. What do we got now? Do you want to get into a little baseball? Please. Oh, Benny. Well, first off, a big congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Benny said, uh, Rangers in six. It was Rangers in five. Pretty close. I bought I bought a little bit too much into the bats of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. So big ups to the Texas Rangers getting it done in the fall classic. But in in, in the same way we love to talk about the NBA uh offseason and the stuff that happens there. Major League Baseball hot stove is big like one. sizzling hot big right now. Um I, I'd say I'd say in, in this year bigger than the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the 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 topics that came up after trump the Rangers World Series. Within a few days of the season ending, we saw Brewers manager Craig Council. They had a, a first run out to the Diamondbacks. He switched to go Coach. down to Wrigleyville and be the new manager of the Chicago Cubs. This yeah. comes after uh, the guy who hired him, Dave Stearns, goes and takes over the Mets, who will talk about him in the Otani situation. But Craig Council going uh, from uh, the Brewers to their rival Chicago Cubs, that one hurts a little bit. And you know what? Maybe that's why they have to make a official declaration about old-fashioned, because this one hurts a <laughs> Wisconsin boy getting hurt a little bit too much. I think he's from Indiana or something. But yeah, like he gr- grew up around there or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, like... But you gotta. Here's the thing. This is this is like a, you know, you don't get Giannis all the time, and <laughs> and the Brewers are a small market team. Yeah, 
they often when they you know develop like a really strong player or a group of players a bunch of them got to walk they can't re-sign everyone and the cubs are one of those teams when you go to the cubs they happen to have a nice young core of stuff going on right now besides for bellinger mostly locked up i think it's like one of those like oh sorry guys i brought you to the playoffs a bunch but I hope it's okay. This is like way a better situation, you know, and way and, better pay. And he's getting paid, and he's got this young roster, and 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 you know, not unlimited bank account, but just one of the big, you know, uh, high profile teams. So I feel bad for the Brewers, but I understand Council doing it, and I think it's fun because he's a he's an excellent manager. What an absolute swing for the Cubs, though, that they fire yeah. a, a club legend in yeah. David Ross. Uh, to bring in in, in council who, uh, you know, if, if, if I was a, a guy like David Ross, you kind of got to leave the World Series as like your thing. I think he tried to be a little bit of a, a Icarus. He tried to do it as a player and a, as a manager. Yeah. May have flown a little bit too close to the sun and he hurt his entire rep. Yeah. With- not, and not, you know, not a lot of first time managers get over the hump. You know, maybe that's where they're just playing the odds yeah. like. You know, and he's going to get another job uh, quick, I, I would say, by next season. So, um, you know, again, I feel bad for him, part of the business. But Council now in his second team doing this, like, I don't know. I I love the fit. I think it's it's going to be a it's kind of a, a home run for the Cubs. <laughs> it, it's kind of like how Aaron Boone probably never should have been the Yankees manager. You know, just leave well, it At alone. least they asked Aaron Judge <laughs> in the offseason, apparently. <laughs> apparently, you see that story. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Benny, let's get into the other stories that are concerning the MLB hot stove. Uh, we have a bunch of, you know, some some of the headlines are uh, Shohei Otani oh, yeah. up for grabs, oh, oh. could be the first $500 million player. Um, where will Cody Bellinger end up? Blake Snell, yeah. all of these things. Can, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can, can we talk about Otani? There's something that's kind of bugging me, and that's kind of why yeah. I want to bring it up. Like, I don't understand why it's completely being glossed over, the fact that we've already had one Tommy John surgery and we're basically having another one and you can't pitch next season. And what are we going into like $500 million range for if you don't have certainty and stuff like that? There is like a little bit of me looking at this, seeing it, knowing that some team is going to pull the trigger. It's looking like, you know, maybe the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Giants, of course, the Yankees and Mets always like, I'm sure, are going to get an offer in. You know, um, the the Rangers are in apparently in the hunt. But, you know, I'm guessing, you know, the those West Coast teams, I'm seeing San Francisco, Seattle, L.A. I think one of the three is going to shell out five or six hundred million dollars. And even though I do really think it could bear fruit a couple of those seasons, I'm maybe scarred from Alex Rodriguez and Giancarlo Stanton and, and these, these guys, you know, getting paid these absurd, you know, what happened to Albert Pujols when he went to the angels and things like that. I know this is like a generational type player, but that the, the surgeries and the time, like, did we already see the peak and what are you paying for? Like, like I'm a little concerned about it and I'm almost glad for once that the Yankees aren't a real player in this. I know I hate to be the, the, the wet blanket on Sheho. I love Otani. I got, I got his rookie card downstairs. I'm hoping he's a hall of fame world series winning player. And 
there's no doubt in my mind that he's a generationally good power hitter. You know what I mean? Like, and, and he's great on the bases. Um, he's, he's an excellent offensive player, but are you paying, you know, what's probably going to be half a billion dollars for that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You had a, a better answer the other day than when Brian Cashman was at the fall meetings and seemed completely stunned that reporters asked him about Shohei Otani. Like, dude, it's the offseason. What are we doing here? Yeah. As compared to David Stern with the Mets was like, right. we're going to take it analytical. So, so yeah, no, it, of course it's a look of course, of but course. it's interesting that, that you bring up. Uh, it seems like the Giants are always one of those teams that are in the mix. It seems like the Dodgers have kind of ever since, you know, it's become more known about his 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 uh, surgery that they're kind of off the path yeah. a little bit. So Giants Giants, and, Giants yeah. are dying for someone to take their money. Yeah. They have been for a while. Yeah. So um, any other things? Yeah, that you're looking I mean, at? Bellinger. That that's another one that's Bellinger to the Yankees makes so much sense that I'm kind of terrified by it. I'm always terrified in like that Adrian Beltre sort of way with players with this like MVP level talent who only really have two MVP seasons under their belt. And what happened before last season does concern me. It's not a blip. It was almost two full seasons of borderline unplayable baseball. I mean, the one thing you get besides at least you get good speed, you get a nice player in the outfield. He's a good defender. Um, But like uh, last year being a fluke is in play. But I do think because how thin this outfield market is, I mean, uh, after, you know, you 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 sign away Bellinger here, you're quickly going into like, uh, you know, Guriel from the Diamondbacks, uh, Tommy Pham, um, you know, good players, Kevin Kiermeyer, but complimentary players. Bellinger, of course, when he's playing like he did last season is a huge impact player. And it makes a lot of sense with the Yankees. He hits the power. Uh, he hits the right side of the field that they need. So that's where I think they're going. As far as the pitching market goes, you know, we're looking at this kind of you know, maybe even market between Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, uh, Jordan Montgomery. It's looking like the Rangers are going to grab someone. The Red Sox are heavily in the market for someone. Um, but the big one I'm excited about, again, you know, people are talking Yankees or Mets here, is Yamamoto, the Japanese pitcher who's uh, still just just over his mid-20s. I think he's like 27 or 28. Um, you know, pitches at a, a sub two ERA in Japan. And um, the thing I really like about him in sort of a Masahiro Tanaka sort of style, who obviously the Yankees had luck with, he's got this nice little compact uh, delivery to the plate, which I think ages really well, you know. Um, and and that's a guy I, w- I would like to see, you know, maybe the Yankees take a swing on just because it's, it's fun. But I think as far as uh, year-to-year numbers go, you're probably going to see the highest on Yamamoto or or Snell, I would guess, because of their age. I love it. You heard it here, though. Hot stove Horowitz over here. So 
All right, Benny, let's head to. Told the you end. I was up on my baseball base. <laughs> I know, I know. You, you're, it, it's like you almost at the fall meetings. All right, Benny, <laughs> you want to get into a little James Harden speaking uh, of Oh, please, and my favorite guy. <laughs> Your let's favorite guy. Uh, the James Harden era of the Los Angeles Clippers is not off to a great start, but that's not too surprising. Uh, they fell to the Nets on Wednesday. Um, then, you know, their overall record now sits at three and four. Um, Harden, you know, doing James Harden things. Uh, is this a, a case of taking time to gel, which we don't typically see James Harden teams gel, especially this quickly, or is this something that uh, the Clippers are going to have to worry about? Well, of course they have to worry about it. I yeah. mean, like this team looked excellent in the first few games, yeah. you know, and they, they typically did look good when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were on the floor together. And then they figured out a way to play with a motivated Westbrook last year going into the beginning of the season. And it looked good. Um, I mean, listen, it's not a big sample size, but it's not a gross overreaction to go look what happened to Philly and look what happened to the Clippers. Philly looks loose. (laughs) They're playing fast, you know, like they're running the floor. They're playing with each other. They're stoked. Like all these things you just can't do with James Harden. (laughs) And then the Clippers look good. And here comes James. And we're slowing it down. We're doing his thing. We're getting some numbers, but we're not winning. We're not playing defense. So it's like, I don't know, man, like how many times we got to go through this. Um, The one thing I'll say, and and this is where I'm not going to get too crazy about it yet. I do think the potential is still there. And if you do have Plumlee coming back and man coming back and the bench kind of solidifies itself. And these four guys actually stay healthy. I think they figure out a way to play and win. And I'm starting to look at the Western conference. I mean, sure it's early, but you know, let's look who's under the Clippers right now. Yeah. Memphis Grizzlies one and seven, Utah jazz two and seven blazers just lost Robert Williams for the year. They're going straight to tank land now. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Spurs and the Lakers. So the only out of those four you're you're imagining is going to take a significant jump is probably the Lakers, maybe mm-hmm. the Jazz a little, and then even above the Clippers, got the Kings not playing that well, the Rockets, you know, maybe some digression coming like this and that. So I think the path to the Clippers just making the postseason is still very much in reach. So. You know, I, I think we'd be remiss, especially with what like Miami did last season, to not consider the fact that it's going to be a slow grind for the Clippers in the regular season this year. There's going to be a lot of benching. There's going to be a lot of, you know, games they don't look right, games that they wipe people off the floor. And it's probably just going to be a path to to get healthy into the playoffs. So I don't want to raise too many flags on the Clippers for that reason. I have a bit of a macro question because it seems like this year more than ever than ever teams have started out uh, with a lot of questions and, and rather than then try to address them during training camp, they're just like, right, well, we'll figure it out. And then that hasn't boded well in the past mm-hmm. for these teams. Like you like to have like, like, like the Sixers have like a full training camp and, and really hit the ground running. I, I maybe it can work, but you have obviously like a guy like Ty Lu is very experienced in bringing this together. But it just seems like that's kind of like where front offices and coaching staffs are, are meeting to start this season. Yeah. And then the big question remains and you have to ask it like they just made another big swing for this guy. Obviously, they're tied up crazy with money. Are they better than the Nuggets? 
No. 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 So, you know, like, like why? Not so sure. Yeah. But I think why was because they had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Russell Westbrook whispering in their ear for a couple of weeks being like, yo, I talked to James. He's on board. He's good. He's, he wants, you know, hyping it up. The, yeah. Everybody wanted to be there. Now you got four old LA boys <laughs> just chilling out, you know, like play for the Clippers. You know, I still think there's a sliver. It might work. You know, I really do. I, I'm not putting this one to sleep yet. It's like they brought crazy in with James Harden, but then they also brought all time great locker room guy in PJ Tucker in, in that deal as well. So I, I think uh, Lawrence Frank and them know what they're doing. I, I yeah, think. It, it's interesting. It is. And I'm not, like I said, I think we're going to have a lot of, a lot of dud fucking games during this regular <laughs> season from them. So it's going to look weird at times, but I don't think that's what the long game is for the Clippers. You know, we've been having a lot of duds in general. All right. Let's talk about these Sixers. Uh, mm. These Sixers are surprisingly at top of the Eastern Conference. Six and one record. Uh, they got the big 106-103 victory over the Boston Celtics on Wednesday. Uh, they got a pair of games coming up against the Pacers and then a rematch of the Celtics. Uh, so they're having a lot of, of, of tests early on. Uh, Nick Nurse seemingly just like got in there and getting the job done early. Is it, I'm, I'm, this is going to tee up to something much later. Is this the case for having an established head coach rather than going for the first time guy? Well, I mean, Nick Nurse is really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited like, about it. Like in the off season, you know, I was surprised. As, you know, I could see sometimes a partnership ends, but when I was looking at the available coaches going in the off season, I'm like, wow, Nick nurse. Still like, there. <laughs> that's great. Like he could really make someone better. And like, you know, he's, he's some of the things I think doc rivers takes some shit for Nick nurse happens to be particularly good at. Um, and then you also just like, you remove this James Harden thing. So you let Maxi go yeah. and you were hoping for, uh, you know, a jump from him and you're seeing it. And like, you know, the, the pace is picked up, uh, you know, there are some plays now where, you know, Embiid is almost like half taken off, which he hasn't been able to do much in his career really, you know, like, and, um, it opened up Tobias Harris. You got Melton playing D down there. And then I loved Batum pickup when they got him. Cause you know, you give Nicholas Batum 15, 20 minutes a night. He can finish a game for you. You know, like you don't mind putting that guy in, in the fourth quarter. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. Sixers are really impressive. And I think uh, another, you know, you know, they, they got the Boston win and, and I think another couple wins here, you got to start uh, looking at, at the Sixers in, in uh, firmly in that top tier in the East, you know, with, with Boston and, Maybe the Bucks are the Bucks still there? Um, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to there. We'll get to there. So I know the tears. The tears are starting to move around yeah. a little, but I think Philly's starting to put themselves into that top tier pretty good. A hundred percent. And you know what I, I love about what Embiid looks like under Nurse? It's kind of like what we all saw uh, Pascal Siakam be, but on steroids. Like the best version of Pascal Siakam is what we're seeing with Joel Embiid right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. You know, and like. Sometimes you just need people to open up in a different way. And there are, you know, sometimes upsides to coach wasn't wrong. Roster wasn't wrong. Just wrong for each other right now, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. Too much baggage, too much whatever, and fresh start. And when, you know, Nick Nurse came in with, 
you know, with some some credibility and people willing to listen and just install this thing. And then it's it's really working. You got to give them credit, you know. Plus, uh, Maxi only thirteen mil against the cap. Oh, Wonderful deal right now because it's they huge. And guess guess who went real high on Maxi in all fantasy basketball leagues this year? This yeah, guy. I know this guy. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, I, I got that. him in all of them. Uh, I people love that. crazy. It's like you'll see. No, you. Addition by subtraction for you, Mr. Horowitz. That's it, baby. That's it. All right. Let's get to the Bucks now, shall we? You're going to be okay? No, you know, listen, I'm fine with it because you know what I do when sports are, are very frustrating? I'm like, my life isn't in the balance. There's nothing about this that actually affects my day-to-day life. And yes, we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, against the Pacers on Thursday night went for 54 points, but they lost lost. a little bit because, you know, we have a head coach in Adrian Griffin who decided to get tossed. Oh, you hate Adrian Griffin. You hate him. I just, you know, know nothing frustrates me in sports more than when a a team uh, knows what their potential is and doesn't do the little things to get there. That's exactly like, so let's just lay out the timeline a little bit. Adrian Griffin is hired. Right. And I'm like, OK, I'm happy about this. He, I, I would have loved Nick Nurse, but he was Nick Nurse's number two. Love this. Giannis loves him. And then a little bit way through uh, training camp, we're like, Terry Stotts is going to be on the staff. I'm like, great. Yeah. Love Terry Stotts. Love him. with. And then this would be for Dame. Then we get Dame. I'm like, here we go. Let's do it. And then about a week before the season, Terry Stotts is out. He just quits during practice for an undisclosed reason. So now it is the Adrian Griffin and hello, Milwaukee Bucks old friend, Joe Prunty. He's back. And so last night, Adrian Griffin gets, gets tossed from the game. He was saying he was trying to stick up for Giannis and who's run, who's calling the shots for the Bucks again, as if it was like Jason Kidd just got fired in the middle of the season. It's Joe Prunty. He's back. So right. a lot of PTSD last night. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. So, so then we continue to see the Bucks <laughs> against the Pacers be up. 10 against a young Indiana Pacers team. Yeah. And and they blow it. Uh Chris Middleton takes a 3 at the buzzer and the Bucks lose by 2. So yeah. that's where the Milwaukee Bucks are right now in a holding pattern. Benny Horowitz talks some can, sense in. Can there. I talk you that off a ledge a little? <laughs> Please do. A little. Okay, there's a couple things here. First off, you're 5 and 3. Yeah. Right? Okay? Like right there, still in the mix. There's been some alarming things that obviously need addressing, but like, did you expect week one for uh, Lillard and Griffin and Giannis to all just have it figured out? Like you said, like, like, you know, having a full training camp and like boots on the ground, like, how are we running this? How are we operating this? No, they did it. And they're still five and three. Giannis is averaging 28 points a game and, and Lillard's averaging 24 points a game I'll bit at a shitty percentage right now. But I think you just got to give it a little time. And, and, and yes, I agree. The Terry Stotts thing is strange and super concerning and people, the longer and longer, if, if things in Milwaukee land don't go well, the side eye towards that situation is just going to get bigger and bigger. And people are going to start since it's a mystery, people are going to start filling in the mystery with something because it's intriguing. Um, And no, it's a terrible look. Of course, like you can't gloss over the fact that a, a coach you brought in to, to really, you know, 
help with offense and and connect with vets and stuff like that. Like he bailed on you, and you got to wonder if we're talking like this, how are the players talking? You know what I mean? Like, uh, so it's very concerning. I think the one thing though to try to give Griffin a pass here though. I'm worried about this roster, you know, and I, I'm not sure what what kind of coach. Like, I think Brooke has degressed. You know, he's averaging nearly 27 uh, minutes a game and and nine and a half points and four rebounds, still blocking shots, but like just not making an impact on the other end and kind of looks like one year slower. Middleton's averaging 18 minutes a game. Um, and you know, there are some times when you're on the court and they just need Middleton's offense so bad. I mean, like him at a, you know, a full level with 35 minutes would really change the face of what we're looking at here. You know, so, you know, when you have Jock Crowder playing 28 minutes and Malik Beasley playing 27, these should be bench players. These should be spark plug players. Josh should come in for certain types of minutes. Beasley should come in for certain types of minutes. So even though I think like you shouldn't like stand at the edge of the ledge like you are already, you sound really stressed out. <laughs> um, like I think there is time to address these concerns, and and it's not like they're like one in seven right now and in panic mode. You know, it's like uh, when when you maybe had your worst stretch of the season potentially, and you're still sitting there five and three, and your two best players are healthy, like could be in worse shape. You know what really gets fixed though, and and the concern is on the defensive front. You know, you knew there was going to be a drop off when when Holiday got traded away, but the 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 way that they've they've tried to tweak the schemes that worked last year into the new personnel, and they just haven't worked. And and you have guys that are like coming all off screens and are just being left completely alone. It's a very unbucks defense right now. And that's where the entire panic for me is because how rarely do we see that get corrected throughout the course of a regular season? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think obviously they're in play for an addition here. Um, but you know, I think what happened to the to the people who really got behind the Bucks in the offseason, I think they sold themselves on the fact that like you can watch Beasley and Dame, you know, let a lot of people go, but they're gonna meet Brooke and Giannis at the rim, you know? But that was kind of like the Bud approach, you <laughs> know, and that's sort of the way he approached defense. And like I said, I think Lopez is maybe a step slower, and maybe the other guys are a step worse on D than you thought. Um so, you know, like, yeah. So are, are, are you, do you have the Bucks in the second tier now? I would say that they're the top of the second tier. I'd say it's easily right now, Boston, Philly, and then there's like the top of the third tier. It's Milwaukee right now. Wow. Already. I mean, you got to be honest with the situation. It's yeah, not Yeah, but great. that second tier includes like the Miami Heat and the yeah. New York Knicks. And yeah. The, you know, like you think they're there already. The they're Cavs. the top of that. All right. Hey, All right. sometimes wow. it's good to be a big fish in a small this is pond. What, you're like the opposite. You're you're a pessimistic fan. I'm an optimistic oh. fan. I can talk myself into anything. <laughs> Nets are four and four right now. Why can't they win a ring? <laughs> Why not? I I get invested in the expectations of my teams, which four is why four without Nick Claxton. <laughs> yeah, as, as as I take him in the top five Let's rounds go. of the fantasy draft. Oh, you took him high. <laughs> 
too yeah. high. I Way was, too high. <laughs> you were in an analytics mode when you uh, very much so. Oh, shout out to Yahoo. All right, do you want to get into the King? Because King James yeah. did something yeah. very yeah. interesting here. I love um, it. LeBron James, you know, he's starting to wind down his pro career. His Mm -hmm. son is starting his college basketball season at USC. And he is opening uh, his museum in Akron, Ohio. I I think that this is pretty cool. Normally, we don't see a presidential library until somebody has left office. But LeBron's path from being a NBA scoring champion is being memorialized in Akron, Ohio. uh, It's going to have artifacts and digital experiences from his entire career. The the LeBron James home court will open in Akron on November 25th. Um, It's going to have things from his career in Cleveland, Miami, and as a Lakers um, the museum is at uh, House 33, a facility started by the LeBron James Foundation. So uh, say what you want about LeBron, but man, he always brings it back to Akron. And I, I love that he's putting his basketball equivalent of his presidential library in his hometown. I love it. <laughs> it's so typical LeBron. It's great. You know, um, I, I would love to visit. Yeah. Maybe not yet. <laughs> Like I might wait till LeBron retires. Like I don't need to like look at, I don't need to like, like ogle at like Miami heat LeBron. I was there, you know, it was like, it was literally at these games. Like I, you know, um, so I might need a little time to be reflective um, since, you know, I'm old and I've seen LeBron with every team he's played on and this and that. But I think it's cool. I think bigger than this is we got to talk about this compound that LeBron's building out in California. He's, he's, he got like, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's like hundred, hundred million dollar compound or like, I forget what the number is or like a hundred or a hundred thousand acres or something. And he's building a giant studio and a court and like all this stuff. And I think he's following in the Kobe, you know, method there. Like, like let's fucking produce a film here. Let's do this here. You know, um, probably fucking open up a school there. And I was just thinking, you know where this led on my train of thought with LeBron doing this? I'm like, I'm like, dude, some of these NBA guys, like, they just like build bunkers and build like crazy shit, you know, like, like you're giving people like hundreds of millions of dollars. They got to find ways to spend it. You know, if LeBron can just open up stuff like this, man, people must have the craziest shit. <laughs> it, it's so funny because like, you think back like a hundred years ago who was building the compounds it was like the Hearst Castle and like Carmel by the yeah, sea and now right. it's going to just these NBA players are just going to have like their own for lack of a better way to put it Graceland you know what though but this is like this is when I'm just like yeah fuck you you like the free market <laughs> like like I've been getting pushed this shit my entire life like oh well you know survival of the fittest up by your bootstraps free market blah 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 well, yeah, it used to be William Randolph Hearst because he had a product everyone wanted, a newspaper. No one wants it anymore. You know what they want to watch? They want to watch this motherfucker jump out of the screen on TV. It's the free market economy. He's smart. And here you go. And now he's building compounds. And I love it. I think it's funny. So you know how Orson Welles made Citizen Kane about like the Hearst yeah. family? Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm going to do about LeBron James. My fifth movie. No one's gonna know about it unless you. Dude, I gotta to say, you know what automatically came to my mind? Who what? should make that? Jordan Peele should make that movie. Okay. Oh, I'm how listening. good! Right? How good? Maybe you can pitch it to Peele. You I'll have get your people producer? call his people, yeah, and let's, it, let's, it, let's connect this. We can have lunch at Earth Cafe and talk about it. All right. 
do you got anything else to talk about today? Listen, with hoops, I am loving the beginning of this season. Yeah. I don't know if you are. I love the Indiana Pacers ahead of schedule. Yeah. Um, Halliburton is a is a beast. I love how fast they're running. It looks like the Mavericks are actually good. I think the most fun storylines are probably like what's going on with some of the teams in the West. Um, the T-Wolves, uh, who I was hoping put it together. One of New Jersey's favorite sons, Carl Towns, like finally getting a team. They play killer defense, best defense in the league right now, and they look pretty legit. Um I love the ascension of the Houston Rockets, which I called. That was one of my preseason bets was the Houston Rockets to make the playoffs. Uh, I think any other year besides for the Wemby year, we'd all be going fucking berserk about Chet Holmgren, um, you know, because he's he's a really exciting guy playing on a winning team, and he is a rookie, and he's probably going to win rookie of the year as it stands. Um, and then I think on the other side, we have some teams that are like, obviously and quickly like just going the other way you know i think uh you know memphis is in real trouble portland's gonna tank the wizards are gonna tank you know the pistons hornets the jazz you know they have enough players where i think they'll go on semi semi runs uh it looks like the bulls are in bad shape so i you know as opposed to last season there's like a group of like eight to 10 teams after a couple of weeks. I'm almost like out on already, which, yeah. which is strange. And uh, I felt like I wasn't like this last year, but there's a couple teams in the league right now that are so clearly in full on tank mode again. And um, I'm going to have to do something about it. Cause if you catch a wizards blazers game at like, you know, game 75 or something, <laughs> it's going to be fucking ugly again. What have you made of these playing courts or these midseason tournament courts where you yeah. you, you have uh, every team has? So for, for those of you that haven't been watching the games, they are these neon courts. They're blue, oh, yeah. they're red, crazy. they're any color. They have a, a midseason uh, tournament trophy in the center of it. Um, wild jerseys, just, yeah. just a, a uh, I'm not sure how. Listen, if you want to get hype, be strange. And that's what they're, they're kind of taking the Lady Gaga approach to NBA basketball. And I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, yeah, it's I think it's one of those things like I I like what the NBA is trying. And I think some of this stuff is not going to be part of like the you know, the year to year thing of the in-season tournament. Like maybe the courts get bailed on. Maybe it's uh the NBA's Brooklyn Night, you know, <laughs> you only get one year out of that or something. But um I think even automatically there's some instant intrigue in the games. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially with like teams that are already kind of rivals. And I think it's adding kind of like a little bit of an extra edge already. So by the time this gets to Vegas and stuff like that, like, and you turn it into a whole event, I don't know. I think what the NBA is doing is smart. You got to mix it up more. Um, and then all of a sudden smack dab in the middle of football season and just, you know, November or December or whatever, you know, they're going to have this thing in Las Vegas and I'm sure it's going to be glitzy and cool and, and a lot going on. And um, I love the attempt and I think it's interesting. Now that begs the question, who do you think is the, the, the odds favorite to win the midseason tournament right now? I mean, I said your nets. I, listen, I got to keep with this. I, I like a, a team that doesn't have a shot 
to like really go to the playoffs and, and go far, but you know, could surprise some people right now. I mean, I, 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 I don't have the mid season table in, in front of me, but <laughs> I have to stay with your nets and now my nets until I think that I think the, 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 the Timberwolves have the highest odds at the moment. Mm, okay. Well, but you know, I wonder, that's where I wonder quickly too, which could be fun is like, you know, Denver is going to have a run at some point, probably where they start losing a mm-hmm. little bit. But, you know, what if one of these teams is just having a season where like now nah, we just don't lose much? <laughs> That's still going to put you in a great seed for this tournament. And like, you know, maybe by the time like, you know, Philly or or Boston or Denver, these teams that are just rolling through their schedule anyway, and then they get to Vegas and then, you know, Joel Embiid is looking at um. I don't know, fuck, like, you know, they're rookie Springer or like, uh, you know, Jokic is looking at Julian Strother at the end of the bench. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make this motherfucker half a million dollars. Like, fuck it. <laughs> and I think there's a chance it could be intriguing because of that. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm interested. I got two things and then we'll get out of here. Number one, I want the court for the final in Vegas. I want it to just be gold. Yeah. All gold, black lines. Oh, geez. Over gold. It. Over gold. Or look like a craps or roulette table. I don't know <laughs> how you do that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you put the players in the where you right. usually put your drinks and chips. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. That's and funny. then the other thing, and, and this is somewhat serious. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen what's been ha- Las Vegas has been building up this Formula One race. It's oh, yeah. supposed to happen this weekend. And they're like, it's going to be like glamorous and like like going to Monaco and have Monaco prices and people are not paying it. I hope to God that's not what happens to the midseason tournament. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're, there's a difference between like what you're asking, like what formula one has going on in yeah. Monaco. That's like some Kentucky Derby shit. Yeah. Like, you know, that that's like a got history and, and, and a whole thing, you know, like you can't expect, remember where Las Vegas is. <laughs> But that's in the middle of fucking desert. Like, what do you think? Like, there's only so much glitz and glam. Half the glitz and glamour flies there from L.A. every weekend. Like, so just remember what Vegas is. And it's the in-season NBA tournament, not Monaco. Um, So, yeah, I'm setting my expectations a little lower there. And remember what this show is, because you can email us at the tune-up podcast at gmail.com, two P's in there. Uh, Follow us on all the social platforms at the tune-up HQ on Twitter x instagram tiktok wherever else uh if you want to follow big man on instagram he is at benny horowitz i'm at denny gallagher ben you got anything else should i have more social medias denny you want me to get a tiktok do you want me to run them i will run your tiktok and and it you'll be uber famous uber famous uber famous oh god i don't want it i don't want it i even denied the instagram check the other day (laughs) they denied me like two years ago and then they offered it i'm like Fuck you. You don't get my license. All right, Denny. Everybody love everybody. Everybody, thanks for coming back. Sorry I was on tour. We'll be regular now. The show's ended. Go in peace. Check them out. You've been listening to and watching the tune-up.